Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely killer talk where I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with Fergus Connolly uh, about a week ago on Instagram uh, we, we really hit a lot of topics. We, we talked about you know, his latest book, 59 Lessons, where those ideas came from, what it is to him and what it means to him, and some parts uh, to the book that actually resonated well with, with both of us. Um, we, of course, if you're talking with Fergus, we got to talk about sports science, right? And kind of the pros and cons of it and, and where he sees the positives and negatives and and, you know, from everything from tech to how we communicate to people and to the role of it itself, it's, um, it's really neat to hear someone who's, who's been involved in it at so many different places at a high level and how they break things down. It's really cool to hear Fergus break that down. And you know, we, we then get into a little bit about his talk that he did for the Strength Coach Network, and we finish out with a, with a pretty big announcement from Fergus. So this is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. I mean, we got we got people jumping on here already. So for those of you that are getting on, this is my good friend Fergus Connolly joining us to talk a little bit today. Um, we're definitely going to talk about the book, 
which if you haven't picked up, exit, go tap on the knob <laughs> and come back. Um, it's, it's a freaking steal on Amazon right now. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I think for any young coach coming through, I think it's, it's an interesting journey. You know, there's a, the, pretty much anybody who's anybody is, um, you know, from Louis, Charlie, Dan, um, all the different people, I guess, that have influenced the industry that I've been fortunate to learn from. So um, I guess I wanted to say thank you to so many of them, you know, like Charlie Francis, who's no longer with us, even Charles Poliquin, who's no longer with us, people like that. Um, and, you know, then you've got some great people from, you know, like Dan Paff and whoever who've been a huge influence on, on me and on my career, great people and great people for the industry. Yeah, and it, it's an awesome read. Like, what I like the most about it is that, that's a good question too. Let me let me get you this. What what's your sure. favorite what's your favorite story of the fifty nine? Um, I think the one that had the biggest impact on me was flying back from Charlie's, you know, with the twenty questions or twenty something questions I'd written down. You know, I went really prepared to learn from him. I'd read everything, I'd watched all his videos, and I'm flying back and I realize I go through the list of questions and I realize I don't have any of them answered. And I realized I hadn't been asking the right questions. And it's something that over the last few years I've realized is that in this industry, we search so much for the right solution, but very often we're asking the wrong question to begin with. You know, we're worried about, you know, in some cases, the right training program, the right force profile, but <laughs> in some cases, that's not even the right problem to be solving initially. Um, and I think that's something that we've gone down a number of rabbit holes in the industry. So you can solve the best, you can come up with the best solution, but does that, is that, pro, is that solution, is that problem actually going to make a difference to the scoreboard? No, 100%. I think my favorite one, actually, my favorite line of it was, I don't remember which special forces unit you were talking about with the quote, but it was, uh, it's not over till you're home smoking a cigar on your porch. Yes. Yeah, very, very important. I think complacency in team sports is, you know, is, you know, complacency kills, you know, you know, loses more games than anything else. And I think it's not, it's not that you, you know, you shouldn't be paranoid, but you have to respect um, that the enemy always gets a vote, that you're never in control of anything. And the only thing that you can do is, is really, prepare yourself and you're only competing against your best and the standards that you set and it's not over till yet till you're sitting at home on the porch with a cigar yeah I, I just love the analogy because you see so many just like kids taking for granted kind of the situation they're at in the game as opposed to having kind of that like uh, that kind of step on their throat mentality yeah, and it's a, it's a ruthlessness that is needed to achieve, you know, to win games. But I temper that very strongly with, you know, compassion that it's not, it is about winning and losing, but the most important lesson then is how do you deal with it and react to that? Because you see many teams, many players, many coaches who win and get carried away with, 
you know, the fact that they've won as opposed to um, dealing with the win and the victory with the respect that it deserves. And with every victory comes a great responsibility to learn from it, um, you know, to treat victory and losses with the same, the same emotion when you're analyzing them so that you can continue to improve. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that with that, that, that constant improvement, I think, leads to coming back to those better questions. Yes, yeah. Like, you I mean, everybody, you know, people are familiar with the term Kaizen, you know, the Japanese term for constant improvement. And, you know, it's thrown around a lot. But what does that mean? And in reality, that means you take victories and losses, you know, and analyze them with the same uh, clinical approach in both cases. Um, you have to, uh, you know, be very critical even of your victories because sometimes those are the hardest to find areas to improve in. Um, it's, it's easy when you lose. We can all find problems. We can all find mistakes. But when we win, um, it's, uh, that's the hard one. You've got to try and find the errors and find the, find the mistakes to constantly improve. Yeah, because just going full circle with all of it, complacency is what kills you. Absolutely, yeah. Complacency and potential. Potential is the other one. <laughs> you know, so many coaches or so many, you know, this kid has great potential. Man, that gets more coaches fired every year. That was probably my favorite line when I did my, my grad work at Indiana State. We had a, an O-line coach. To say he would, would be old school would be like the largest understatement you've ever heard. And he would walk up to this kid. They were talking about him, like, about his potential. And he's like, son, you realize that's the biggest insult you have ever been given in your life, that you have potential? It's like, because that just means you haven't worked and you haven't lived up to what you're supposed to be. Yeah. Turned out and walked away from it. I was like, wow. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, it's... And, and this is where profiling your, your, your athletes has become so important because... You know, it, if you use adopt a not a cookie cutter approach to practice, but a cookie cutter approach philosophy, the strengths just keep getting stronger, but the the limiting factors don't improve. So that's where the potential is. You know, potential means that there's something, there's an element, a weakness, a deficit that needs to be improved. Well, this is where identifying that problem is critical. Identifying that limiting factor and then figuring out how to how to, how to improve it efficiently. That's how you you know, achieve that potential. And I think in, I think in coaching, I think it's a huge area of potential improvement for us. Improving potential is a potential improvement. <laughs> We're getting very poetical in, in the new year, the start of the new year. Seriously, we got tongue twisters all over the place, you know? So if anybody has questions, feel free just to text them in there and, and we'll get going with it. Or I'm going to ask what I want to know and, and wrap with Fergus about what, what we want to talk about. And then, you know, so I think another big one going back is this whole idea of leadership. And you talk a lot about that in the presentation we just put into the, to the mm -hmm. network today. Um, how has that evolved for you? Like through all of this, you know, cause 
those those points that you bring up in the presentation there's there's a lot of a lot of digging in it and a lot of like 15,000 feet and then skydiving right to the ground like mm -hmm. how has that evolved you know from the computer science guy to where you are now great question i think look i've always been i've always just been solving problems you know that's in sport, in performance, that's what it is. You, you know, you start off at the, at, you know, as a strength coach at a soccer team, and it's okay. How do we get guys stronger? How do we solve this problem? How do we make it work in this environment? Then you've got sports science, technology. How do you make it work? How do you? So it's about solving problems, and um, the the biggest one of the biggest areas now is coordinating all of the elements of performance because there's been, you know, say. 10, 15 years ago, there was an explosion in sports science. Now what you have is you've got an explosion in all these different specialities. So I think that, um, I think that's one of the big, the big threats that we've, that we've got. I think that um, that need to be able to oversee in the leadership is, is really, really important um, going forward. And as coaches, I think there are three areas that we need to, that we need to look after. There's the technical side, which are all, you know, there are lots of good strength coaches, good trainers, whatever. Um, and there's, you know, upskilling ourselves in sports science and psychology and all of those different areas. And then there's the professional elements, which are, like I said, leadership, management, communication, um, those that are becoming more and more important. And then finally, then there's the personal side, you know, managing family life, managing our kids, our spouses, our partners. Um, managing our health and welfare. So those are the three areas that I think to to continue to develop as a profession, we need to look after. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think that what I think is kind of crazy is how it's, you know, that pendulum swings so far. And I think it probably swings further for what we do than, than a lot of other places or professions. And I think that that's just, maybe I think that just because we're stuck in the middle of it. But like five years ago, it was all about science 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 tech 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 break this down look at this training load versus that training load and however we're quantifying everything and now it's like people person empathy feelings it's almost like we need to find that middle ground real quick 100% right Jay 100% right um so i view professions like you know like teaching like nursing like our job, a vocation as opposed to just a, a true a profession because we're dealing with people. So, and with the invent and the introduction of sports science, but particularly technology, there was a failure to recognize that we're measuring people. We're not measuring machines. So the theories, the principles, the simulations, which is what my PhD was in, was in measuring, um, you know, machines, technology, and throughput and flow uh, and flow through uh, manufacturing plants that does not translate exactly to this industry which is a people-based industry it's not this you can't measure it in the same way so it's a different approach and you can't measure people and expect a predictable result particularly if you don't measure them as people holistically so we're and you know at the college level, at the youth level, at the academy level, we're developing people first and foremost to play a sport in a chaotic environment. 
So it's a vocation and those qualities of empathy, you know, compassion um, are critical to the long-term development of, you know, of the young athletes that we have in our care. Well, 100%. You touch upon that quite a bit in the book too. Yeah, because I think those are the people who had the biggest impact, you know, like people like Dan Paff are, you know, are people, coaches first and foremost, great people, you know, who care about their athletes and get the most from them. And that's, that again is about potential. Are you achieving the full potential of them, you know, as people? It's the same in the military um, because you can take any young person and push them very hard for three years, very disciplined, and, but they'll burn out eventually. But if you want to have long-term development um, and develop a domain-specific knowledge, in other words, build that experience and wisdom so that they become a veteran and continue to rely on that and contribute over a period of time, you know, you have to look after the person. No, no doubt, because the minute you lose them is the minute they, start, they stop putting in the work. Yeah, and we, look, we haven't even talked about ethics or, you know, the ethics or morals of looking after people which is what we should be doing anyway, you know, in terms of our society and looking after people, um, you know, to contribute to the greater good. But even if you take that out of it, um, you know, the, just developing that person, developing the athlete over long term, it's, it, this is a people business first and foremost. Oh, yeah. And because, you know, you don't usually win with bad people anyway. You can win in the short term, but not, not at a sustained level. Because, you know, I talk about the three-year rule quite a bit. You know, you can go to any organization. I had this conversation with uh, Gary Ridge, who's the CEO at WD40, you know, the, the, um, um, you, you know, the manufacturing company. And I made the point to him, you know, I could come into your company and run it very hard for a year, you know, um, you know sell people a story, they'll buy in. The second year... If I haven't delivered on, on my promises and my commitments and just, you know, made a sales pitch, I'll have some doubt, but they might give me one more benefit of the doubt. But by the third year of me not being honest, transparent, and delivering, you know, as I promised, I lose them by the third year. But our sales might improve in the short term, but by the third and fourth year, it's just downhill. And he agreed. He said, absolutely. And it's the same in any sports teams, any sports organization. Head coaching can come in, can you know, make promises and hype and next year's going to be better and do the same the following year. He loses a little bit uh, of buy-in. By the third year, though, he's lost the players, lost the coaches, whatever. Now, some coaches get around that because they get turnover of players or turnover of coaches. But to build sustained success, you must be transparent, brutally honest. You have to look after people. And that's one of the keys behind, you know, teams like the All Blacks. There's a you know, a brutal transparency. It's not always comfortable, but to build sustained success, that's special. That takes, you know, that, that's a different approach than just coming in and driving anything hard for, for one or two years. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, too, that, like, all too often, especially in the sports world, that quick fix, like, the thought of it is really what ends up being the biggest problem. Yes, and it, look... You know, there's an Irish saying, a new broom sweeps clean. Any new idea coming in is going to be, you know, jumped upon and is going to get a lot of support initially. But it has to deliver. Um, and that's one of the failings, again, with sports science. There were a lot of promises about whether it was GPS or force platforms or whatever. But if they don't deliver return uh, eventually, 
you know, then they lose faith. And then the problem is that others have to, you know, to either, you know, um, you know, either recommit or they have to try and prove that it does work. So it's, it really comes down to that transparency and honesty, uh, you know, in terms of what we're doing and how we're trying to affect the scoreboard. Yeah, no doubt. And I think too, though, that with a lot of those things, when it comes to the tech world, I think that people just really misinterpreted what questions they were trying to answer and that just threw everything for a loop. Yes, and also there was a belief that there was an absolute ability to predict. No, there's not. I've said this time and time again for years. You can suggest probability, but you can't predict anything. Not, with, not when we're talking about a chaotic event where there are uh, where we're talking about dealing with people, you know, um, it's about 15 years ago I, I, I gave a presentation where I spoke about sabermetrics and Moneyball, and I made the, made the point that I was talking about soccer at the time. While in sabermetrics there is a benefit, there's no doubt, when you try and trans translate that to soccer, you've got 11 people on the field, but they're all moving, and you've got another 11 people on the field trying to stop them, and you've got a referee in the middle who's trying to, to mess the whole thing up. So it's you have to compare like with like. Um, so again, you can suggest probabilities. Um, and that's where, you know, there was, I guess, um, yeah, just some people either from a sales perspective or whatever decided to try and sell some of these sports science elements as being far greater than they were. Um, the role of sports science and technology is to improve our insight as coaches. Um, and that's why, like I say, the you know the the co coaches that we have today, you know the I don't know if they'd appreciate being called veterans, but like the Bushek Snyder's, the Don Pops, those kind of guys, they always had sports science. Um, they they were just improving their coaching ability today. Yeah, no doubt. And I, again, I think that a lot of it too, like GPS is one that really gets a lot of love and hate <laughs> at the same time, but it's like that you know people talk about predictive models when you're looking at injuries and this that and the third and it's like dude it takes three beers for none of those numbers to matter absolutely yeah you know it's there's just far too many variables but that's why i say 80 percent of your job is knowing what doesn't work um you know 80 percent of your job is knowing what not to use when not to use it um that's the key thing is knowing the limitations of these things and I've just written a piece for some of the, you know, directors that I mentor on critical thinking. It's so important to develop your, your ability to think critically in this industry because that is what is going to save you from making stupid mistakes, from buying into a sales pitch or from not doing your own research. Um, you know, if somebody presents a technology to you, yes, you can listen to, to what it's going to say, but you have to go and do your own research, your own independent research. You have to look at it critically. You have to look at the sources. You have to evaluate those, or you are going to make some terrible mistakes if you just take one source, or particularly the person who's, you know, who's selling you something. Yeah, it's cool that you mentioned that, because Patrick talked about that. Uh, doctor now, Patrick Ward, talked about that this summer at the seminar, and how they did that like with different GPS units to, to figure out what worked with American football and what didn't. Oh, man, I've got some st brilliant stories about that. Yeah, like, I mean, of evaluating different technologies, comparing them, and um, when you, 
when you go behind the curtain and you look at some of the technologies and you look at actually how the technologies produce the results, um, some of it is scary. Like some of it is genuinely scary. Um, but there are some teams and some sports scientists and coaches just relying on it. Um, and it, it, it's across the board. Um, you have to go and do your own homework and understand what, you know, how does it work and what the limitations are and what weighting you can put on the different variables um, you know, that are presented to you. And so that you can know how to apply it. But absolutely, it's, it's really, really important that you do your own independent research. Yeah, because especially when you're trying to track somebody like that, it, like, I've heard people say, well, if it's consistently wrong, it's still consistent. It's like, yeah, but no. Like, you don't want a guy that consistently can't hit a curveball because he's never going to hit a curveball. Like, it's not helping you. Well, yeah, so there's, there's the accuracy and precision. So if something's, you know, consist, consistently precise, okay, in other words, it, it's repeatable and, um, you know, you know that it's always good. For example, if you know that your clock is always five minutes fast or five minutes slow, that's fine, you know that. But in many cases, you know, people don't know. So they don't know whether it's five minutes fast or five minutes slow. Well, then, it, then you know, that's just being ridiculous. Then there's, you know, there's the accuracy of it. Well, you need to know whether, it, because none of these technologies produce just one, met, one number for you. So it's knowing which ones are accurate and which ones are precise. If you know that, yes, you can do something, you can do something with it then. But in many cases, people just don't know. Um, and a lot of, not, I shouldn't say a lot, but some, you know, some technologies, some softwares, uh, use smoothing algorithms, which lose a lot of data. Um, they use smoothing al algorithms to uh, manage jumps where data is missing. But many people aren't even aware of that. So they, they assume that the data they're getting is, is correct. It's, you know, it's not like a, a calculator that's going to always give you the correct result. Um, but again, I, you know, I think a lot of people just aren't aware of the you know, of the, the risks. Now, if, if you know them, then you know how much weight to put when you're starting to, when you walk up to the head coach with your sheet of paper to say, we must rest this guy and we must rest this guy. Like, you know, with uh, certain stadiums because of the overhang, many people don't know that GPS is lost, that you actually lose tracking. So how do, you know, how, how accurate is your data then? Yeah, and we get into that talk sometimes with people when they talk about using GPS in basketball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not, again, it's not, it's not that you don't use technology. It's just know how well you can use it and know how much faith you can put in certain things. Once you know that, then you're free to go. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Knock yourself out. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I know you got a lot going on. I appreciate you taking the time, but I think there's one thing that we should probably talk about right now and that is where you're going to be July 19th and 20th this summer. Well, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm, I, finally got a, I finally got an invite. I've been waiting for a long, long time to get an invite. But... No, I'm really We've been talking to... about this, though, since no, the we have. second we to have. last PSMPG. I think we were talking. Yeah, that's a long time ago. But no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I think, you know, I think, Jay, I think you guys have done an incredible job, you know, improving the industry. Um, just the quality of speaker and the quality of content that you've contributed to the 
to the industry. Um, I think, you know, shouldn't go and doesn't go unnoticed. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, I'm looking forward to, to speaking, but as much I'm looking forward to interacting with everybody who, who comes because it's the quality of the, the questions and content that, uh, that are really valuable. That's what I'm yeah. really looking forward to because it's like with Game Changer or 59 Lessons, when you put something out there, you know, you, you put it out as, as the best you know at that time, but you constantly um, improve and refine uh, your presentation of these theories based on the questions that people ask you, because um, you, you get to understand the industry the, the industry better. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Stoked to have you down here. It's going to be a blast. Awesome. Well, listen, brother, I appreciate the time. and we'll, uh, we'll hit you up here real soon, man. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Jay, be good. Have a great, yeah, great year. Best for 2019. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Bye-bye. See ya. And a huge thanks to Fergus Connolly for spending the time with us today. Guys, it's, it's pretty awesome to, to welcome Fergus to Richmond this July to be uh, on the docket for the 2019 seminar. Uh, really excited to have him here. He's a, he's a super person. He's super open, super honest, and super candid with all his sharing. If you've read anything that he's done or ever had the privilege to be able to sit down and talk with him, he's, he, he doesn't hold punches, so I, I couldn't be happier to have him here this July. Um, and then on top of that, just breaking all these things down and being so open, honest, and candid with his sharing with us today, I can't thank Fergus enough for taking the time. And I truly hope you guys enjoyed the talk as much as I did. And if you did, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, we are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we possibly can. And as always, guys, thank you. For everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance, we will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.